Welcome to Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. I'm Greg. And I'm Erin. We've been married for 31 years. We're marriage counselors and we lead the marriage team here at Focus on the Family. This week, we're talking about overcoming difficult transitions in marriage. And you know, we all have transitional seasons, you know, things like becoming parents, um, career changes, maybe we have health challenges arising, maybe financial hardships. You know, and how do we really best travel through those seasons, really deciding what do we need to address or what can we let go? Right. Because often during transitions, it's going to create conflicts mm. and we can't certainly talk through every single little issue or conflict that happened. So it's really, how do we pick the ones that we need to face? And we, we, you know, we saw this in our own marriage. I think back to when we got married, Mm -hmm. you know, talk about a huge transition in life. Because you were in Denver going to seminary. I was in Arizona and we really didn't have that engagement time together. You came home the week before we got married from school and we got married and off we went on a honeymoon. And I was like, who is this person? (laughs) So much has happened. You said that we're, we're, we're descending to our honeymoon destination and you kind of look at me and I just, it was like this odd, like, guy, why is she staring at me? And I said, what, you okay? And you went, I'm just looking at you thinking, man, I'm married to a stranger. <laughs> and I was totally offended by that. It's, I remember one morning we were just laying in bed and we started talking about, you know, which church are we going to, to attend? Cause we both, we grew up with very, very different mm-hmm. kind of religious backgrounds. And, and even we got into it a little bit kind of going, well, why? I thought we were going here. No, I thought we were going here. And there was a time we were watching a movie mm-hmm. and it was more of a thriller. So there, mm-hmm. there was a pretty. You thought it would be funny to scare yes. me. That it wasn't so I funny. Turned, I cut the power yeah. to this little room that we're mm-hmm. staying in no. and went to scare you and you're just sobbing mm-hmm. on the couch. Well, and then yeah. even hiking to a waterfall and yeah. realizing that we had differences as far as following rules and not following right. rules because there was a sign that said, don't swim in this waterfall. Right. And I'm a rule follower. I wasn't getting in. And of course, you were long gone by yeah. that point. So yeah. we we realized through this transitional time that there were many opportunities for conflict as well as really figuring some things out as well. Yeah, and so part of it is just recognize you, you, we don't have to talk through every bit of that. Although sometimes I'd like to. I, <laughs> but <laughs> I have me, grown in that. <laughs> let me repeat. We do not have to. It, it, the point is that I think part of that is the, the wisdom of going, what should we mm-hmm. talk through? Is this a big deal or a little deal? Mm-hmm. You know, if it's a, if it's a little deal, like scaring you during a, a that, scary that movie. That was a pretty big deal. <laughs> I had to set precedence on that quickly. I had to train you how to treat me. And that was not how I wanted to be treated. You know, is it a reoccurring pattern? As I think back, you know, to how we began, you know, in those early years to work through conflict, the pattern was is that, you know, we would get pretty triggered mm-hmm. and then we would kind of go into a fight sort of mode. And both of us arguing, defending, that was something I wish, looking back, that we would have really dealt with. You know, what's the relational impact? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know scaring you, turning off the power during a scary movie probably well, didn't think... have as great of impact if, you know, saying, hey, how you grew up religiously mm-hmm. doesn't work for me and I want to do something different. Yeah, And I think as far as the relational impact, is it something that I can let go? Or is it something that's going to take root in my heart 
and create resentment or bitterness and it's going to impact the relationship, that's worth bringing up. Yeah. And I love how this is really setting the table for where we want to go because we've got some great segments coming up. So later on, we're going to have a conversation with a Christian counselor about the challenges of transitions in marriage. We're also going to hear a question from one of our listeners and she wants to know, how do you connect with your spouse and resolve conflicts when you have such a busy schedule? Mm -hmm. But first, we had a fantastic conversation with authors and podcasters, Sean and Lynette Reed. Let's listen to that conversation that we had with Sean and Lynette. And Sean, I love that you use a, a phrase that, that when I read it, I went, what What does that mean? You talk about an earworm. So w- what's the problem <laughs> of the earworm in marriage? Yeah, so our, our family is musical. I love music. And every now and then, you'll get that song that's just stuck in your head. Yeah. Mm. And you can't get it out. You're laying in bed. It's just replaying. It could be a jingle. It could be a commercial. It doesn't matter. It's just stuck in your head. And what's amazing about that is after a while, you're, you're kind of replaying this thing in your head as if you were the person who wrote the song, mm. you know, and after a while, you also hear it being sung as if it's you singing it. So you could say that the band that wrote it, produced it in some studio, you know, they put it out there, you've heard it somehow, but now basically the band is technically inside of your head. Yeah. And so you're under the influence of their melody. And I think that a lot of times what happens is God has a plan for your life, but so does the enemy. That's right. Mm-hmm. And the enemy doesn't know all of your future, but he can sense your potential. Mm-hmm. And when he begins to see a husband and wife coming into that place of unity, I think that he begins to whisper mm-hmm. um, accusations. Uh, The Bible says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And so sometimes as we sing along with a lying song, it's a lie from the enemy, we begin to think that it's from us. And in some ways, we think that that deception may even be the leading of the Lord because it sounds so familiar. It sounds like us. And so we repeat these melodies often. And after a while, how you think often shapes how you live. What you believe Mm. is going to lead to how you behave. And after a while, we're singing along with this lying song and we lose hope. And so at some point, you have to make up in your mind, like, I ain't singing this no more. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I've, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to. I say it like this. You, you have a choice. Every day you wake up in your life, you're either going to come in agreement with what God's best plan is. Your kingdom come, your will be done, and see your marriage, see your house from God's perspective, or you're going to echo hell. And you will echo the voice of the accuser within your relationship. And so you have to choose light or dark, life or death. And Mm -hmm. for many of us, because that brain, that earworm is so familiar to us and it sounds like us and it's catchy, uh, we may have been born and raised a certain way. We're, We're singing along with it as if it's the only reality. But God has a truth that's greater than the facts that we see. And that goes hand in hand. You guys talk about playing the truth game, because if you're listening Mm -hmm. to all these lies, you start seeing your spouse in these negative ways and believing lies about them, but then Mm -hmm. treating them in in negative ways. And so you guys talk about this truth game. Lynette, do you want to unpack that for us? Yeah. So it really is for every um, lie that you believe or that you inherited. Um, It really is not settling 
for what you believe. We have to be in a habit of questioning what we believe and not just taking everything that comes into our mind, into our hearts as, oh, this is truth or this is law. And so uh, part of it is definitely adopting uh, time throughout your day to just think your thoughts um, and Mm -hmm. just kind of ask yourself, what am I believing about myself? What am I believing about this situation? Or what am I believing about my spouse? And what, whenever, whatever that is, it's just asking yourself, okay, is this actually true? Mm. The offense that I feel and the pain as a result of that may be true, right? I may feel that pain and that pain may be valid, but what was their intent behind it? Are their intentions to harm me, to hurt me? You know, do they love me? Um, and then maybe you're going through a rough patch even with your spouse in the sense of, um, I don't know if we can make it anymore. You know, you have phrases going through your mind of doubt, of worry, of frustration. You know, uh, we're always going through this. And we're always going through this cycle. And we'll, things will never get better. Is that what you're just believing right now? Or is that actually true? And so getting down to the belief of your pain, um, of what you're saying, sitting down and asking the Lord, okay, show me the truth behind this situation. What does your word say about my spouse? You know, what does your word say about this situation? And so it's a little bit of a game in, in the sense of for every lie, there is a truth. And, and the mm. goal is to figure out using God's word and spending time with him, what is the truth behind the lie that's replaying that negative narrative that's replaying in my mind. And it's such a way to protect your relationship because to your point, I mean, we have an enemy that is constantly going after us. Mm-hmm. He wants to disrupt. He wants us to become adversaries. And you're right. I think his one of his primary weapons are those lies mm-hmm. that he wants mm-hmm. us to buy into that definitely sound you know, like our own voice. That's why I love that earworm analogy. I think that that is so right. Yeah. On. Well, so often when we're hurt, when we're disappointed, when there's been conflicts that it didn't go well, we start seeing that negative lens. We see them through the negative lens. And so mm-hmm. then those lies, the enemy's right there to meet us there and to start whispering, like you guys are saying that, yeah, see, that is, that's who they are. And we start labeling them in these negative ways. But I love that we have the source of truth to battle that in our marriage. Yeah. And as we talk about conflict, you know, we always try to stay clear of kind of that idea of fighting in our relationship. But, but Sean, I love how you guys really are saying, you know, but there's some fights that, that are worth having. So give us an example of one of those fights that, that's necessary for a healthy marriage. Yeah, we often talk about uh, the fight for freedom. Mm-hmm. which is, is really big. A lot of even what Lynette shared earlier about finding her identity, um, as well as the growth and the development that's happened in my life, a lot of it came when we were willing to make a conscious decision to say, you know what, we're going to recognize any unhealthy family ties that will keep us trapped. Um, anything that we have brought in, and I believe that all of us bring in something of, uh, of we can call it baggage into the marriage. We sure. bring some yeah, form of absolutely. baggage into the marriage. 
I brought in trunks of (laughs) of stuff into my marriage. I just had the big, the big hefty trash bags. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's literally the image I have in my mind too. Is the the hefty trash bag for sure? Oh, and I I think that what happens is, you know, some of it's been passed down from generation to generation, and we say something like, "That's the way it's always been," or "That's how I was raised." Or in some cases, some people are remarried. You know, this is their second or third marriage, and they're trying to make it work, but they they carried in a lot of hurt and baggage. And so if we're not careful, we will allow our physical identity or some of the past trauma or baggage to begin to define what God is trying to do in this new relationship. And at some point, you have to say, you know what, I don't want to settle. I don't want to settle. And something that Lynette and I, we really believe, we don't want an average marriage. We want a great mm-hmm. marriage. Jesus told us we can have life and that more abundantly. Mm-hmm. And I believe that that means the fruit of the Spirit should be flourishing mm-hmm. within our marriage. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, long-suffering, gentleness, all of that. It should be in its fullness. You can't tell me that a, a husband that is operating in the fruit of the Spirit and a wife operating in the fruit of the Spirit won't have a fruitful marriage. That's an abundant marriage. And I believe that it's possible to us, but we have to fight for it. We have to, when I say fight... I'm saying uh, to contend for it, even through conflict, Mm. contend for it, even through transitions that are happening in your life. Don't allow your circumstances to define you and don't allow the conflict to define your spouse. At some point, you have to say, you know what, God, what is your best plan for us? And what do you see when you look at my spouse, when you look at me? And then you begin to say, I'm going to claim that, fight for it and live out the reality of God's truth in our lives. Mm, that is so rich and so good and so true. And it is, it's worth the fight to continue yeah. to pursue wholeness and healing because we all do bring that stuff with us. That's for sure. And sometimes our stuff hurts our spouse and mm-hmm. impacts our spouse. So Lynette, you talk about the role of forgiveness and prayer in your marriage. And what does that look like for you in your marriage? Oh my gosh. Uh, the power of prayer has been a a tool I've used really from the jump. Um, I would say uh, I, I grew up watching my mom pray. Um, she is definitely one of those women that get up at the crack of dawn, mm. 5, 4 a.m., wow. <laughs> um, and, and I've just seen her pray. Uh, so it is definitely something that I uh, adopted from her. But especially early on in our marriage, when I, we didn't have the tools to help us, um, and we mm. didn't know exactly what to do, one of the things that I just always did was, God, I don't know what to do, but I know you're there. I don't mm-hmm. know how to say this to him, but I know you're there. Prayer really became a pillar for me as an individual. It really became an anchor in one of those things that I really leaned on. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of forgiveness in that God birthed in my heart simply because I kept that line of communication open with my Heavenly Father. And so... I wanted Sean to do some things, but then God will always reroute my heart in those conversations and say, okay, I know Sean got some things, but let's talk about you. Mm -hmm. And he began to work on my heart. And then I would have to, you know, be challenged to forgive Sean or even just forgive myself. And so Mm -hmm. prayer really became like, it it created a pathway for healing in my heart first. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it became a pathway where I would begin to uplift Sean and I would notice things in his heart or behavior or even just limitations. And initially I wanted to bring it to him, 
uh, but our communication was was very difficult, and so I, I kept it in, and I didn't pray. Mm. But over time, I began to pray for Sean in certain areas, and God showed himself faithful. And I love that. What a great reminder mm-hmm. from Lynette on just the power, the importance of really lifting up our spouse. You know, as I reflect on that interview, that, that analogy of the earworm, I mean, that's mm-hmm. <laughs> no pun intended, but that's really stuck in my brain because I, I, I so agree with that. I mean, that that idea of a, an earworm is kind of like you get that commercial or that that little song stuck in your brain mm-hmm. and it just plays over and over and over again. And that's really, as we were talking about that's Satan's strategy. He wants to replay these lies that he tries to convince us of over and over and over again. Yeah, and he's he's relentless with that. And we begin to believe that those lies are really our truth. And so thank goodness right. I always say that we have the truth, the source of truth. I'm not your source of truth. You're not mine. And Satan's not my truth. Yeah. God is. And, and it's it's one thing to know that because, you uh-huh. know, I mean, it's easy as a Christian go, oh, yeah, I know that. Mm-hmm. It's another thing when attacked. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? How do we access God's truth? And it makes me think about, you know, our daughter Murphy, who's now 26. Well, mm-hmm. when she was in the sixth grade, remember she came home, she was mm-hmm. very upset. Something had happened at school. And as we talked to her about it, what had happened was that she had gotten into sort of this argument during lunchtime. The girls kind of had a table that they would typically sit at. Well, all of a sudden there was a group of boys there. And so you, Aaron, are such a strong, fierce you know, mom in our girls have learned so much from you. And so Murphy was like, Hey, I'm not putting up with this and no, kind of was challenging this boy. Him. Yeah. Confronted him and said, no, this isn't your table. I can sit here. And so she, she did. Yeah. And this young man got angry at her and said some really cruel things to her. Yeah. I mean, he, he basically said, you're ugly, you're worthless, and you're never going to get married. Yikes. Which for us, was it was easy to go, he's an idiot. Why are mm-hmm. you even paying attention? But that's how Satan works, is he takes mm-hmm. these comments that maybe someone will say to you or a, mm-hmm. a situation, an experience that you go through, and he likes to turn those into lies. And so we could see that she was really wrestling through, mm-hmm. am I worthless? Am I ugly? Will I never get married? Well, and you, you, what you realize is that these are actually fears that, you know, fearing that, yeah. am I worthless yeah. or fearing, am I ugly? Or, you know, does, do people get my value or will I get married someday? Yeah. And so... I remember talking to Murphy. It would have been easy for us to go, hey, is your mom and dad, this is what's true. This Mm -hmm. is, you know, you're not Mm -hmm. ugly. You're not worthless. You know, you will get married someday if that's your desire. Mm -hmm. But, But instead of doing that, I liked, as you and I kind of talked this through, that we said, Murphy, you know what? mom and dad, we're, we're not the source of truth. Mm-hmm. Although we think we know what's true about you, the truth is mm-hmm. that, that God is your is your source of mm-hmm. truth. So mm-hmm. how about instead of us just telling you what we think about you, why don't we spend some time in the scripture? Remember, we just kind of all sat there at the table going, you know, let's let's see what's true and, and let's pray about it. So we prayed with her, God reveal what's true. Is, is Murphy ugly? Is Murphy worthless? Is Murphy never going to get married? And then we really used the scripture and we all just kind of started looking up some scripture. It was really powerful. Mm-hmm. Some of the things, right, that Murphy came back with. Mm-hmm. Because she was able to pair 
the truth. And I, I just feel like the Holy Spirit's so faithful to bring those truths to us in our time of need, because he uses those truths to comfort our hearts and to speak the truth. Um, over those lies. And, you know, for example, she found Exodus 19, 5, for you are my treasured possession. And then she went on to find Ephesians 1, 18, you are my glorious inheritance. Ephesians 2, 10, for we are God's masterpiece all around that lie, you know, that question, am I worthless? Yeah. And really those things helped her to settle in to know that her God, her father, her heavenly father, thought those things about her. And that's what makes the word living, that when we're questioning you know, what's true about us, that, that that's part of where we go as we pray to the Lord, reveal your truth, we're able to go to his word and just find those verses that really speak against that lie. As I look back on that, you could just all of a sudden, it's the more verses that she was finding and, and reading out loud. And then we started to speak those over her. We prayed those over her. You just could see a peace. Mm-hmm. And, and that's that's how you deal with a lie. Mm-hmm. You hold that lie against God's truth, and mm-hmm. God's truth is always going to win. And that's why you know, I love John eight thirty two. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so it's in those moments that those lies are trying to gain hold of our heart and determine what's true about us. And in in God's word, though His truth really frees our hearts from those lies. Mm-hmm. And so as we encounter these lies. You know, you identify what is the lie, and then you go to the Lord. You go to the Word. You know, He's going to use Christian counselors. He's Mm going to use mentors and pastors and friends to help speak that truth into our lives. What I always love when I have a lie that I've identified or fear that I've identified, He can use so many different sources, like you're saying, counselors, friends. I can remember there was a time I was really questioning something and I came into my cube here at Focus and on my desk was a bookmark that someone had put there and the exact fear that I had been dealing with was addressed on this bookmark sitting on my desk. And I remember just looking at it and went, oh, thank you. You know, you just know that it's for you, just for you. And that's what I I so appreciate about Sean and Lynette is Mm -hmm. is just that reminder of that earworm and how we've got to proactively fight against those lies by taking that to the Lord and discovering his truth. And he may use a bookmark yeah. in our life, a song on a the radio. scripture, yeah. song, anything. You know, we have Sean and Lynette's book here at the ministry, and we'd love to send you that for a gift of any amount. So their book is called Marriage in Transition, Creating Connection Through Uncontrollable Change. Mm-hmm. It's because of your financial support that we're able to do this podcast. So please donate, and then we'll send you that book today. Yes, and all the details will be in the show notes. So we're here for this segment with our good friend, Glenn Lutchens, who is a licensed marriage and family counselor and has been doing this for 30 years. That's amazing. Long time. How does scripture address hearing the voice of God over those lies of the devil? And how can we apply that in our marriage? Well, when you think of the devil's lies and and God's truth, it it takes us back to the garden Mm. where, you know, Satan... His first temptation was, is God really for you? Mm. And when you think about it, a lot of times in marriage, 
the temptations that we have is, is my spouse really for me? Right. Now, mm-hmm. we're imperfect people, so sometimes our, our thinking and our, you know, the way we're responding is not really for our spouse. Right. So right. that does happen. But I think a lot of times we presume more. Aaron's staring at me, by the way, as you're saying that. <laughs> I'm noticing. But I would say generally more often our presumption is our spouse is not for us when that's probably not the case. Mm. And so then going to God's Word and really getting the truth. Right. And being able to then believe that mm-hmm. as the truth, not these lies that we begin believing. Yeah, okay. yeah. I, I love the passage in Philippians two four. Look not only to your own interest, mm-hmm. but also to the interest of others, and and that's a truth that God has that your your feelings do matter, your interests do matter, but so do your spouses. Mm-hmm. And if we're just looking at it in a, in in a one way fashion, we're missing it. Mm-hmm. Well, and I love how the the first part of that verse really is talking about, you know, the, the pride, you know, vain conceit, selfish ambition. And so often when, you know, when Aaron and I have conflict, you know, that that vain conceit that the verse is talking about is is when I believe that I'm right. Mm-hmm. Like I'm excessively proud of my own opinion, my own perspective. That never happens. Never. <laughs> in Because, yeah, it happens all the time because I'm so convinced like, oh, I, I know it's right or true here. I, I've got it figured out. She's just misguided. So to love her means that I'm going to help correct mm. all this mis, you know, <laughs> understanding, whatever. In but that's all pride, and that's what I love about that verse. That then it's talking about. But if we humble ourselves, which means that okay, maybe maybe I'm missing something here. Or, you know, maybe there's something I really need to better understand before I believe that I'm absolutely right. right. And then we think about our spouse, not just just mm-hmm. what what we're thinking or, or our own interests. And that that's a great verse. And it seems yeah. like there there's so many good verses you know, within the scripture that, that help us, right. you know, that right. we can lean on, that we can quote, that we can reflect mm-hmm. on, meditate on, you know, even in the midst of conflict, before conflict, mm-hmm. are there other verses that, well, that I, you I love just, to go to? Just a thought. One is that um, it's easy to kind of conclude, I, I have it all right in my head. And right. Christians should really be the people who have the easiest time to say, you know what? I probably don't see this yeah. this clearly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I love the passage. It's a, a passage in, in Philippians as well, but whatever is right, whatever is good, yeah. whatever is true, think on, yeah, these, things. on these things. Because yeah. when we get caught in our own webs of, you know, my self-justification or my presumption, that's when we're, we're, we're struggling, when we recognize that I am there f- not only to care well for myself, but also to care well for my spouse. Yeah, I love... I think it's James where it talks about when when we have trials or when mm. we experience conflict, consider that an opportunity. Yeah. And as a classic conflict avoider, that's always a good one for me to I, – I mean, I have to kind of get my mind in a place of going, you know what, actually, this conflict, whatever's going on, there, there's opportunity there. Mm-hmm. I probably get to learn something about me, Aaron, or maybe our marriage or something that needs to change or we need to address. And, and that really is an opportunity. And I do. I have to remind myself and, and say that verse in my brain mm-hmm. just to go, okay, this is going to be all right. There is opportunity mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. What about Aaron? Do you have a, what's it's your funny, favorite verse? The verse, verse? that you just talked about, I was talking with a couple this morning about. And it is so true that so often we want to run away from conflict yeah. mm-hmm. and not see it or trials and not see them as these opportunities to really build something 
build something better mm-hmm. to improve our mm-hmm. relationship and our connection. Yeah, I love the let's be quick to listen, you know, mm-hmm. slow to speak, slow to anger. It's again another verse. Kind of you're saying, I mean, that it's it's God's truth, it's his scripture that mm-hmm. that battles the lies. Yeah. You know, it 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 helps to ground us in the midst of conflict. And so I, I I appreciate what you're saying is, hey, long before you have the conversation, why don't you take some time, right. that pause, that kind of that time out mm-hmm. and reflect on some of these verses, reflect on what's really going on, think about maybe what's going on for your spouse. Right. And that does, that creates a humility mm-hmm. there that now prepares you with an open heart to to have a good conversation. Mm-hmm. We you know we also see that Satan really attacks in the midst of transitions. And so within every marriage, of course, we're going to go through seasons and moments mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. transition. How do we really seek counsel? So as we go through some of these harder transitions. Yeah. Well, one thing that is is meaningful, I think, for a person to understand how they deal with transitions. Some people are like, bring it on. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love change. You know, I love change. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if something's five minutes old, it's old. You know, uh, so they're looking for for new things so all you, the time. That's more you, Aaron, <laughs> more like that. And other people, change. the idea of oh, change yeah. is just totally scary. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, if you're a person who likes transition, that's probably going to be helpful for you in the midst of it. If you're a person who doesn't, um, or let's say if your spouse doesn't then can you be a bit more gracious in that regard? Uh, I think it's helpful to, um, you know, be aware, be able to kind of put in the cake tester a little bit as far as, okay, how is this transition working for me? Mm. What might be some things I need to care well for myself when doing the, making this transition? And what are the ways in which my spouse may be struggling with this? How can I be extra sensitive to kind of what the emotions are like for, for, for him or her. Um, so just being, being aware, I think, is, is really crucial. And I would say, you know, if you're going through some challenging times, you probably need someone, either maybe a mentor couple, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, maybe sitting down talking with your pastor, maybe uh, searching out, finding a counselor, so that you're really allowing that transition to go smooth. Because if you're off by just a little bit, think of a, think of a rocket, okay? It's, it's going to go up, you know. 10,000 miles in the air, however high they go. If it's off by one millimeter at one meter in the air, it's not that much. But if you keep going that way, it's going to be off a whole lot. Mm -hmm. So if you can get back on track as quick as you can, then you're going to have a more successful Yeah, because we fail to deal with these little things. So whatever's going on within the transition, you're right that that gap widens. Mm And boy, that's where loneliness sets in. That's the playground for the evil one. I mean, he loves it when we're disconnected and he's Mm going to prey upon that loneliness and really cause us to begin to doubt each other and stay so disconnected. But I love what you're saying, Glenn, that, you know, reflecting on the self or being self-aware of what's going on for me, but also what's going on for my spouse. Again, there's Mm -hmm. that opportunity. And even as you're talking, it sounds like such a deep connecting conversation that could happen that as we humble our hearts, that we begin to think about us, but also think about, you know, our person. Gosh, what an opportunity to connect. There was a study years ago, Holmes and Rahe, and they looked at the different stressors. In fact, they came up with numbers that corresponded with each Mm -hmm. stressor. Now, some of those stressors were you'd look at and you'd say, okay, yeah, losing a job, probably not fun. You know, getting a divorce, not fun. But what was interesting was they had stressors that were identified that were really positive. Getting a promotion, 
Mm. You know, and, and so we sometimes think of transition negatively only when it's something sure. which in our mind is, well, that's not a good thing. But positive stressors can, can come into play as well. Well, even getting married is mm-hmm. listed on right, that list. Right, and right. I mean, it's up there because there's so many things that are changing, so many transitions happening during uh, that season. And I so appreciate just the perspective that you, you keep offering, which is at the end of the day, you know, return to what God is saying, his truth. I want to end with First um, John 2, 26 and 27. And this is out of the message version of the Bible. But I just, I love these words. I've written to warn you about those who are trying to deceive you, but they are no match for what is embedded deeply within you. You don't need any of their so-called teaching. Christ's anointing teaches you the truth on everything that you need to know about yourself in him, uncontaminated by a single lie. Live deeply in what you were taught. So thank you, Glenn, for just reminding us about these truths, about what we've been taught, and really about how to, to use all that to strengthen our marriage. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for letting me be here. And if you're in the middle of one of those transitional seasons in your marriage, feel free to reach out to Focus on the Family. We have licensed Christian counselors, just like Glenn, who will be happy to, to visit with you, pray with you, and you know really help you explore what are our next steps towards connection and healing. And you can find those details in the show notes. Well, now we're going to move on to our weekly Q&A, and this is the part of the show where we answer your burning questions about marriage. Please send us your questions. This is how we can best connect with you. Go to crazylittlethingcalledmarriage.com and click on the button on the side of our show page and leave us a voicemail. And if your question gets answered on the show, we're going to send you a copy of our book, Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage, 12 Secrets to a Lifelong Romance. And we'll send that to you for free as our way of saying thank you for listening and for reaching out to us. Well, today's question comes from one of our listeners. Let's listen to the voicemail that she sent in. My question is, how do you connect with your spouse? Because you were talking about one of the podcasts, connecting with your spouse, even on a busy schedule. Um, So our thing is, we've been married for nine years. um, But there are times where I've tried connecting in a situation where, you know, there was an argument or there was a disagreement And to resolve it, I like to talk about it. Let's figure this out. My husband's more, okay, let's talk about it for a little bit. And he'll just say what I want to hear. And then he just wants to move on um, and let it go. But then we still end up exploding just because I'm trying to, um, let's talk about this now. No, let's figure it out. But even if he says, no, we'll talk about it later. And I've let, let it go. But then he had never ends up coming back to it as I feel like sometimes that's on purpose. Like he just says, we'll talk about it later just to end the conversation at that moment. Um, but then it never comes back and he never brings it up and I don't want to nag, but how do you go about doing that? Cause I feel like sometimes you lose that connection when there's not that communication and there's still that, there's still something there, that frustration, um, and things not resolved. Um, how do you do that from a wife's perspective? Well, I love the question because mm-hmm. in, in essence, what she's asking is, you know, how do we resolve conflicts in the midst of just our busyness of life? Mm-hmm. And before we get into the, the busyness part of it, I do want to say that for me personally, 
the shift that had to take place within our conflict is as I really had to learn that the goal is not to resolve mm. conflicts mm-hmm. because if our goal is to resolve the resolving implies sort of a finality like we've got to you know find some solution and hang in there until something gets fixed and I don't think that that's realistic at all mm-hmm. versus really going you know in, instead of making the goal to resolve our conflicts you know, we've talked about this on previous episodes, but I just think it's so important that, that we remember the goal isn't to resolve conflict, it's to repair mm-hmm. those conflicts when they happen. And one other thing I'd point out, you know, just hearing her scenario, I'm guessing she is much more of the pursuer to yeah. resolve conflict. Yeah. And he's much more, it seems like, the withdrawer. Yeah. And that's a very common stance in marriage. But if you know, being able to see that he is also fighting for the relationship because it sounds like when they do talk about it, it leads to greater conflict. So he's over here going, I don't want to talk about it because at least we're at peace if I'm over here, but then nothing gets worked out. It's interesting because she says, I don't want to nag. I hear that all the time that as women, we fear so much being a nag and versus looking at it that I can bring something up and not be a nag. It's all in how I do it. Yeah, and, and it's it's important for me on the other side of that to remember that you're you're not nagging. You're making a request to connect, mm-hmm. and, and I have to see it that way. Yes, and I'm doing the relationship a favor right. by bringing it up. Right, but. It's really, how do I bring it up? And and I'm telling you why so many couples, why we get stuck Mm -hmm. and it doesn't ever feel like anything gets resolved because we're thinking that that really is what we're trying to do here versus when when in my brain, I really made that conscious decision that Mm -hmm. I don't want to try to fix or solve these issues with you, Mm -hmm. but I really want to learn how to repair it. And so even in the midst of our busyness, so there's never going to be like, oh, we've got this stretch of two hours. And mm-hmm. now let's work through our conflict because one, we we probably want some downtime and to stream something. And so what Aaron, you and I have learned to do is when, when we just get sideways with each other and we can tell there's something going on, one of us will usually then at some point, maybe we're getting ready for bed, just real quickly go, hey, do we need to repair mm-hmm. anything that happened? Mm-hmm. And what I like is it sets the table for the right sort of conversation because repair doesn't take, you know, three hours. It doesn't take 20 minutes. I mean, a repair really is just about let's establish a dialogue here so that we can just hear about how this impacted the other person and and care Mm -hmm. about how you felt, how I felt. And and that's the nature of the repair. It's not trying to solve or fix anything. Mm -hmm. And I would say amidst the busyness, it's really being intentional about letting the other person know there is something that isn't sitting well with me that I'd love to revisit. I'd love to to really do a repair. When can we do that? Especially, you know, small kids running around, chaos, big kids, teenagers, adult kids home from college. You know, there's there's lots of things going on in our homes. And so, you know, just letting the other person know, like, something's going on inside of me. When can we sit and connect? Yeah, it's been really good for me because as a conflict avoider, you know, it sounds like her husband, I, I don't 
like to get into these conversations that I believe are going to take three, four hours, mm-hmm. whatever, or we're going to walk away from it even being more disconnected. <laughs> okay, to be fair, I don't think we've ever had a three to four hour conversation. <laughs> it seems like it. So <laughs> That's that's in your greatest nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> but just coming to you to say, and, and I've, I've really been working on this, so I guess you would have to be the one to decide if I'm really doing this or not, but if I can feel something between us, then I just will go, hey, is there something that, that we need to repair? Mm-hmm. And and if you go, yes, then I know my goal then is to simply lean in to your emotions. And so I would say, okay, well, tell me, you know, we just had this hard conversation. Mm-hmm. How did that make you feel? Or mm-hmm. t- tell me about mm-hmm. emotionally kind of what's going on for you. Yeah. And then listen That's and it. really be intentional about listening and just caring what your spouse has experienced. But that is only going to come from the place of an open, humble yeah. heart. Yeah. And for some reason, as of lately, when things have been stirring me up, both, you know, in our marriage or at work or, you know, wherever, I really, when I find myself in that defensive stance, I've been asking myself, okay, what would humility look like right now? Hmm. And it softens my heart even yeah. just saying the word yeah. and, you know, saying, Lord, help me to be humble. What is, what are you teaching me through this or what do you have for me? In this. And so as we lean in to care about what our spouse is feeling, you know, really just hearing it, letting it touch our heart from that place of humility. Yeah. And the repair happens because we have cared about the our spouse's emotion. Mm-hmm. So, you know, hey, this hard conversation we just had, tell me how, how what's going on inside, what emotionally what's going on for you? How did that make you feel? Or Mm -hmm. how did that impact you? And then you might say, Oh, I just felt, you know, very invalidated. Really? Mm -hmm. You know, tell me about that. And and I just have to keep reminding myself, man, just care, just care, Mm -hmm. lean in her, her feelings aren't right or wrong. They're not, it doesn't mean that that's the truth, but it's how you feel. And I can always care about how you feel. And it seems like when we quickly just express that emotion and mm-hmm. hey, and I felt misportrayed or misunderstood. Oh, really? And, and you'll go, yeah, that makes sense. I can see how that mm-hmm. would. It mm-hmm. just, we have that quick emotional connection and, and that creates that repair. Repair is all about mending the relationship, not solving a problem. Hmm. And that's what had to change in my mind. And so the next time you guys are, are having that conversation, Honestly, there's not a solution for the busyness. Mm-hmm. You, you just, I, I think you'll both feel more willing to talk if you know that this is just about us caring about how the other felt. And that's the limit of what we're going to talk about. If we actually need to solve something, we can schedule that for a, a different time. Mm-hmm. This is just about let's connect heart to heart. Mm-hmm. I want to hear how you felt. I want to affirm that. I want to care about that. And, and that reestablishes a connection. So thus it's it's mended the relationship versus just leaving that conversation hanging out in the mm-hmm. in the air for days. Mm-hmm. And as you're listening humbly, it's amazing to me so often the Holy Spirit will touch our hearts or touch my heart and lead me to conviction as far as I influenced how my spouse felt or influenced their hurt. And I don't want my person to be hurting. 
And so I have an opportunity then to lean into that and to own how I influence that through an apology. Well, thanks for your question and look out for your copy of Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. And if you're listening today and you have questions for us, contact us. Go to crazylittlethingcalledmarriage.com and click the button on the side of our show page to leave us a voicemail. Thank you for joining us for Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. Battling the transitions of unexpected changes can be a very difficult task, but we hope that this episode has helped you to understand how to best preserve your marriage. You know, be sure to like, listen, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We want you to have a seat at the table every week as we help equip you and your spouse to have a lifelong and satisfying marriage. We also want to help you grow spiritually both as individuals and as a couple so that you can invest in other couples to help them build thriving marriages. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk with you next week about this crazy little thing called marriage. Is your marriage holding on by a thread? For deep hurt, you need deep healing that only comes from the Lord. And you'll find it at a Focus on the Family Hope Restored Intensive in Michigan. Our licensed Christian counselors will help you and your spouse get to the root of your issues in just three to five days. And it works. 80% of the couples are still married two years after attending. Learn more at HopeRestored.com and talk with a trusted advisor. That's HopeRestored.com.